Good morning or good afternoon slash evening for my guest, Elliot Ross. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email Marketing. My guest today, Elliot Ross, who I've been trying to badger onto the show for a few months now, uh, Spark Post, uh, Action Rocket, uh, Taxi Free Meal. Elliot. Hey, how's it going? Yes. Good. Sorry. How are you? I'm, yeah, all good. It's, I, uh, for somebody who works in email, I'm not very good at actual like personal email. So yeah, I apologize for... <laughs> Do I, not, not being hard, hard to get hold of, but yeah. Do you good. know anybody in the email space whose inbox is not right? Oh, like it's horrendous. Like the amount of stuff, like the thing I find, like, so we work, like I, I try to buy stuff for my clients, like and support the cause and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the trouble is our clients also send us proofs of everything. So like I just get a ton of email yeah. and I'm like, I can't work out if it's personal to the thing I ordered or like just a random proof for some random thing. So right. yeah, it's, it's hard working in email. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what, what's it, what's it, the plumber's wife's, her sink is always Yeah, clogged. exactly. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Well, just, just, for, just for orientation for people, especially people who are listening, uh, I, I wanna do a recap and see if I get it right about what I know about your career in email. Um, you're founder of an actual um, studio, Action Rocket, yeah. Yeah, right? right, and you also then co-founded uh, Taxi for Email, a uh, high-end email editor acquired mm -hmm. by SparkPost. SparkPost acquired by MessageBird, which is how you're now an evangelist for SparkPost yeah. MessageBird. Correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and a lot of uh, a, a lot of random things on the way. Like when love... people talk about that kind of overnight success or whatever. Like yeah, twenty years of yeah, twenty years of overnight success. But you, you know. you, your background was originally in design. Is that correct? Yeah, so I, I like yeah all the way back to like being a teenager. Like I was, I designed things and then ended up working in different ad agencies, yeah. like old school ad agencies. Kind of the tail end of like Mad Men era, I guess. Or the, well, I don't know. It's maybe a stretch to say like the early early noughties was was still you know Mad Men, but like definitely like that era of like agencies being like, oh crap, there's there's digital now, and we've got to work out how to do it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So from then on really yeah i'm i'm going to i'm going to tease you and provoke the people who are listening on the podcast i've got i've got johnny ivy's younger brother here oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> on on the show uh, as a as a designer uh, do you mm. still do you still find time to you know to create hands on visual uh not as much as i'd like to like it, it's hard like because so action market is like 20 people yeah. um taxi like there's still bits of design work but now we have like designers especially now we've sure. joined spark post and and uh and, and message but so yeah there's it's more now like being able to say like hey look here's here's the idea i'm thinking of yeah um i'm not going to be one of those clients that's like here's exactly what i want but mm -hmm. like here's here's something if you have something better then absolutely we'll run with it but go work with it and see what you can do like <laughs> yeah. that, that's about as much design as i get to do anymore but yeah kudos kudos to you for recognizing that boundary i've got a you know, my background's arts and creative as well mm. and i'm the client from hell mm. like i am just a client from hell I'm like nope wrong nope sorry <laughs> rgb codes up why did you use that cut like just no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's hard. It's it's so hard, especially like especially like growing a company like Taxi. Yeah, I grew from I think more so in, in Taxi and Action Rocket because Action Rocket I basically just replicated myself over and over like and hired more and more designers basically and, and yeah. developers yeah. and stuff. Um, but um, with with Taxi, like we started off with two people that became three after like a year or so. Then we kind of gradually hired a, a couple more over the years. And then we ended up with like 25, 30 people. But like, as the company grows, you know, like me and, and Will co-founder Taxi, like we we were doing everything, like, you know, to the extent that like I designed the front end, he designed the back end. Yeah. Gradually, and like the, the sort of concept of Taxi is you need like a design system, which is like an HTML template. So it's coded in email HTML. So like I was doing those for clients as well. And like, and also trying to run the business and trying to work out like, how do you even do a business? Like, yeah. Um, and in a SaaS business, like everything is, there is no kind of, there is no limit in the way that an agency does have a limit. I think, like, 
you know, an agency is, is essentially you hire a bunch of people and you can and you can charge more for their time and and you have some yeah. clients and whatever, right? Whereas there is no limit to growth for a SaaS company. So like you always have this kind of like, oh, we could be doing more, we could be doing whatever. So like, it, yeah, this is really very long winded, but like absolutely that. I think you learn the hard way of, of like that ability to to kind of come to terms with like I could do this but I could get someone else to do it or we could hire someone else to do it and it might not be the way that I would do it but the the main the main pro of this is I'm not doing it anymore and I can spend my time on something else yeah yeah and then and then so you've gone through that multiple times that that's part of the entrepreneurial journeys of when do you turn loose uh, recognizing that you have limits to your own hours in the day scale and then eventually expertise right you eventually mm. hire someone and go they're a lot better at that than i am right yeah, yeah. jobs to shut up and stay out of the way yeah exactly and and unfortunately often the stuff that you do when you give up some of that stuff is less exciting like you know we were still doing legal contracts and which i like <laughs> When you own half the company, no, but like you own half the company, right? So you don't want to give it away or or cause yourself some kind of problem. So like you you have to pay more attention than you're interested in. Yeah, Um, yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um. Did did taxi, uh, did did the impetus for taxi come out of, um, your own hands-on work? Like the tools are not just not adequate to the job. Yeah. So the kind of. I guess, you know, the ESP space, and now I work for an ESP, so I'll be very polite about them. Um, but, um, <laughs> um, but like the ESP space has always had a kind of challenge with, with editors, right? And, and the point, the challenge is kind of maybe two or threefold. One is like ESPs have got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of things to make. It's a very hard job like yeah. to build an ESP. Yeah. And like getting the content into the HTML is one, one small part of that. And if you've got a limited amount of developer time, you can't spend all the time trying to work out how to solve that. So I appreciate, you know, some ESPs, they just bring in some other tool, like, and sometimes that's a web development tool or whatever, like just plug something in and find that's that problem sorted for a while and we're going to do something else. Like um, coupled with the fact that like email code is notoriously not only hard and literally not standardized, but like also massively opinionated. So like, my code i could code something and people would be like no this code is terrible it won't work and i mean they'll be wrong of course <laughs> like, there you go <laughs> but like, they're, they're, they might have some other way yeah of achieving the exact same goal in a completely different way of coding it so like and that that varies across regions and brands and yeah. the audiences and the makeup of what email clients or audience is using and all this kind of stuff yeah, yeah. so like this there is no kind of in the same way that like if you were going to make a thing that put a tweet out or something like that like you have to put out the json a certain way and it's either right or wrong like in in email that's not (laughs) that that isn't yeah yeah. so like yeah the the esp you know this that problem hadn't been solved basically um and and the thing that we realized quickly as well is like our first client for taxi was um education first um although at the time we didn't tell them that um but um so they were um, (laughs) if they're listening they were sort of five or six and we'd had lots of success before but um you know they um so they pushed us a lot like because what had happened is we built a we they came to us basically saying like hey we've got an english language course and it's online like you go and learn english on their course right and you do this across like um you can do this in 20 different languages. So you can speak German and want to learn English and use our tool to do it. Um, and then there's however many levels of, of uh, doing the course, you know, 30, 40. Um, and basically they came to us saying, hey, look, we need to make these emails. So basically we need like a, a really complicated, triggered sequence based on how well you're doing, what stage of course you are, what language you're yeah. doing. Yeah. And we worked it out and they were like, look, you, you need like 17,000 different HTMLs. Like, and at the time, as an agency, we were like, okay, cool. So that, you know, 10 hours doing Durban. We're like, okay, it's going to be 5 million. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and maybe we should have just done that. But um, obviously, you know, that wasn't going to happen. So, like, um, 
we needed uh so we, so we built taxi kind of the first version of taxi was basically like a, a massive excel sheet and everyone could translate stuff and then you put the put your html in one end and put your spreadsheet in and it kind of churned out and gave you a zip file with all your html at the other end okay like, yeah yeah um and then after a while they were like oh but we want to put the content in ourselves and we're like great well let's work that out and then it kind of spiraled from there but the thing that was interesting is like the problem is less getting the one bit of content into one email yeah. like that's that's kind of solved it's not perfectly solved but it's solved um and more how do you organize 100 people trying to do this in right like in in 20 different languages in literally every country in the world that you know has, yeah yeah exactly without getting it wrong being able to then put, pick up the whole thing and put it into i think it was uh oh i forgot that what's the esp that changes the name a lot um i mean that could be any of them um uh, da, 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 uh silver pop they became oh yeah yeah silver pop uh, yeah. Uh, ibm then acoustic yeah yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, pick up the whole thing and, and export it all into that when it's finished. Um, yeah, so, like, the thing the thing we came to realize is, like, actually the complexity is organizing all these people and being able to do it in a way that things don't go wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah. And it turns out every enterprise has that problem, of course. Well, and, 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 and Taxi is one of the few tools that I know of that, that was really attempting to tackle that, enterprise many hands on the work job is you know, like cycle mm. time a, an email goes out the door from a company to a lot of people and there have been many many folks looking at it saying yes no change this do that and weeks of work right yeah typically yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah yeah so wow so you, you what looked like a design problem became a login security workflow version control Problem. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, commenting, uh, commenting, yeah, management of access, all this kind of stuff. And then just the, the standard enterprise stuff of like being able to do SSO and, you know, like yeah. we got an ISO. Like, so if you're listening and you don't know what an ISO is, like, you're lucky to be honest. But um, so the ISO 27001 is like a, a security standard, like, and you basically have to rewrite how your whole business operates to be able to do it. Yep. And like, and then document it and they come and audit you and all this kind of stuff. Like, and, and it was, like, you know, I guess verging into giving startup advice, which I've never, like, I don't want to be one of those guys, but like, definitely like that was a very valuable thing for us because really, as a, as a band of like 10, 15 people at the time, yeah, like we were able to say, hey, look, we take security really seriously and we were able to compete or just get contracts with massive companies. Because would, you did like, yeah, because the first thing they do is go, oh, look, you're very little. How do we know that you're not going to trash everything? And we go, well, look, here's we take this seriously and, and also like procurement if you've ever done procurement at enterprise the first thing they do is they say right okay cool you want some stuff well you want you want to sell us your thing here's a massive spreadsheet um that's going to take you you know two weeks even just to read let alone answer um so being able to say hey look we've got this iso they'd go okay cool fine we don't need to do that then wow yeah um, that's excellent <laughs> so, yeah things like that where like you kind of learn on the way but yeah Super, super you guys you guys launched taxi what circuit 2012 2013 yeah it's about then um they didn't it, we had a kind of weird launch like we kind of launched it eventually and put it on product hunt and all the kind of standard things that you do but like yeah. um built a website and stuff but like we had like probably 10 or 15 big enterprise clients by that point because okay. what we'd done is like so we built this thing for ef and then quickly like people you know you know what marketers are like they move around every six months that kind of thing like we quickly, and also Action Market had a whole bunch of clients as well that we were working with. So like, sure. we got Taxi in like in five or six places pretty quickly. Um, and then those people started moving around and basically like every time we were like, okay, cool, we've got our heads above water. Let's, let's you know, launch this thing and market it. Someone would show up saying, hey, look, we love Taxi in this other job we had. Let's do it here. Um, but we need you know, these features and yeah. we want it to work this way to plug into that and a new exactly. ESP. So yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and some of that, that kind of roadmap growth is interesting because like some of it is like, there's a line, especially now in taxi, because it's pretty mature in what we do. Like there's a, we can look at something now and the company will say, Hey, look, we need this. And we love it. Like we can quite confidently say, look, that, that's just you that needs that. 
compared to, okay, cool, well, that's on our roadmap anyway. We haven't done it yet, but we'll bump it up because there's a good business case to do it because yeah, we'll get yeah. some money from you to do it and whatever. But yeah. like, um, so at that point, when you're two or three years in, it's really hard to work out like what is bumping something up the roadmap because you were going to do it anyway. You just haven't got around to it yet. And doing it will get you this sale yeah. compared to what is something that you're going to make and no one else is ever going to use again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we, you know, we worked it out, but yeah, it's, it's hard that stuff. Well, except to, you know, best idea is my experience. I'm curious to, to know if it echo, uh, resonates for you. You know, best idea is a random ass client, you know, gee, hey, yeah. nice if, right. Or we wish yeah. it could. And like, Oh man, that's <laughs> good. Right. Thank you very yeah. much. But you can't it's, be all things to all people. Exactly. And, and it's really hard because we use the kind of ath- uh, agile methodology and all that kind of stuff. And like, did you? Wow. So that's like a lot of that or part of that is about like looking at the problem more than the solution um, and not being defined by your output at the start and things like that. Yeah. I think that's right. Maybe it isn't. Well, the, the output's maybe the wrong word. But like, um, so like looking at the problem to solve versus someone saying, hey, it'd be great if there's a button here because they've already just decided the solution at that point. And they're not the product designer it might not be great if there's a button there yeah um but what you want to hear from them is like here's the problem i have and here's the kind of result that i'm after yeah um, okay so yeah like absolutely we've got a whole ton of those and you've got to be really smart about like what's root cause yeah and also like humans are flawed right if you ask like anyone anything they might give you a different answer like they'll say something different to what their actual behavior is. Mm-hmm. And like, even then they, and they might honestly say something like it, it's not malicious, like, because they believe something and then actually you watch them and they're like, Oh, but you're actually doing something completely different. Like, so you'll hear a whole bunch of things and then you'd be like, you actually don't need this. Like one thing that people <laughs> asked for a lot all the way through in, in demos. I mean, we did develop it eventually, but not for a long time <clears throat> was adding copy limits. Um, and people would be like, oh, can I add a copy limit? And we'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, we don't have it right now. We're thinking about doing it. And then, we, you know, they'd get in, they'd start using testing. They'd never ask for it again. And the reason was they could see the content in place. So it was obvious to them if it was broken or not. Um, so ahead of time saying, hey, this should be 20 characters instead of 30. Yeah. Like, you run the risk of actually stopping them doing their job. And yeah. eventually we did some smart solutions to it. So it, it's all good. But, like, what's interesting is, like, some people that was a deal breaker like yeah and it turns out once they get in the world they're like oh actually yeah we we didn't realize that we we didn't really didn't really need that now i i didn't have the haven't had the opportunity to work with taxi hands-on but is there a um is there a testing proofing a la litmus and uh email on acid (laughs) and if not was that a frequent request uh yeah it, it is and it isn't so um, we work with both of those tools. Um, yeah. The the APIs for them are slightly different, so the way we work with them is different for both. But yeah, um, yeah like you can, we we quite early on thought we're not going to replicate what those guys are doing. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get this going. But um, <clears throat> uh, what's interesting is like the concept of taxi is you have your we we call them email design systems, but basically like a template, like your your sort of HTML. Mm-hmm. You can code that in whichever way you want, and you can then make that editable. And you add, you make it editable using something called taxi syntax. Okay. Um, so crucially, like that's not that's your HTML. I mean, we can do it for you, um, but that is HTML that's specific to your brand. So you can design the modules that you want and all these kind of things, right? Um, and that's a kind of key difference to other products that are out there because a lot of those tools are like, here's our HTML, and if if you want three columns, great. Here's the code for that. But if your opinion is that code isn't what I want, you can't change it. Um, so taxi is, is like, okay, cool. Like code it exactly how you want because your enterprise, you know what you're, you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, we'll help you and that's fine. But the point is then you take your EDS and then you put that into taxi and then you use taxi to make individual email campaigns and then you export it out okay. um, into whatever ESP you're using. And obviously there's that in the middle, there's that whole thing of scale for making different languages, regions, versions, segmentation, all the kind of complex stuff. Yeah. Um, so or complex for content people because it's not their their strong suit or whatever right um so the key thing there is that html is being reused over and over yeah 
So you can go back and update it if you think, oh, actually, we don't, we needed a different module or we need to reshape this or Gmail's changed how it works and we need to change how this renders or whatever. You can go back and change that. And then the thing that's using that will now work with your new code, um, yeah. which is actually a, a massive side benefit because like one day a client came in and said, hey, our template is black and we want to make it white. And we've already made a thousand emails. And we're like, okay, cool. We're going to change the HTML. And then it was, it was done in like two hours. Which, wow. like, if, you, if we were an agency, we'd still be doing it now, right? Um, <laughs> but, like, um, so the, the point there is, like, once you've done your HTML, you're kind of just reusing it over and over. Yeah. So the need for those tools goes down quite a lot because at that point, you've, you're confident that your HTML is really solid and tested. Um, and then you're just checking it sporadically, making sure that, oh, actually, Gmail hasn't changed in the, in the 10 minutes since we last looked, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, wow. Well, wow. Fascinating, fascinating challenge and quite different um, user bases all touching yeah. the same thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, wow. designers, copywriters, marketers, all, all in there together. Yeah. V VP with a big red pen. Uh, yeah. Every, everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on something because you sort of uh, unique expertise in this space, and it harkens back to something you touched on earlier as well. Um, mm. You've got the ridiculous multiplicity of of end clients viewing um, viewing a given email message. You've yeah. got mass scale in potentially mass scale in terms of the volume that gets sent to those that multiplicity of clients, and you've mm. got this relatively relatively brittle thing called the email html yes <laughs> that takes so much work to you know, to get it to just like hold together and actually display yeah that it's struck me for a long time that <laughs> that the actual content like the stuff that people read the images they see the you know the layout like mm. It's so hard to make that go that that there's less focus on the actual content than than might be ideal. Yeah, yeah, massively. Like, and, we, and we've seen that with a lot of clients where like they go from a place where, you know, it takes 20, 20 hours, 30 hours to get an email out of the door sometimes, just one email, like to code it, get the mm -hmm. content together, write it, design it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like. And, and sometimes that 20, 30 hours of work can be spread over two weeks, three weeks. And to be honest, the longer it is, yeah. the more chance there is the products will go out of stock. Someone else will have an opinion. We've got to change everything, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so being able to shorten that um, is, the, is the first thing. So yeah. being able to say, actually, instead of 30 hours, we can do it in two or three hours because we're not recoding everything every time. We're not redesigning yeah. everything, yeah. whatever. Um, but also... Yeah, you're right. Like being able to focus on the actual content, which is what, at the end of the day, that the audience cares about, right? Yeah. Like they don't look. I mean, we do, but like they don't look through the code and go, "Oh, well, this is coded well. I think I'll buy this product." Yeah. Like the audience you know, doesn't care. They never yeah. see it. <laughs> exactly. So, like, um, you know, and they might notice if it's wrong or if it doesn't work in a different email client or whatever. So it is important, but like, um the actual words in your email and whether they're spelt correctly and whether they yeah. make sense. And, uh, you know, we talk in, in the translation space, um, we talk about this idea of transcreation. Um, and that is, you, do, you don't just translate words directly. So like, you trans especially things like German, like German, the sentence structure is different. Like often the verb goes to the end and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and and obviously like your references, your kind of pseudonyms and and little what's the word you know like little phrases and things like that in a pun or whatever like it might work in English it might not work in different language yeah. so like it, it's less about just directly translate the words because a machine can do that at this point sure. um, it's about actually rewrite the content so it works for a different audience yeah um, so yeah like uh, and so a lot of the benefit I guess is is about like providing a safe environment for those people to come in and actually work um gotcha. because the gotcha. previous places you you say here's our english email and then it's in a spreadsheet and just put your words in or something but yeah like, yeah yeah you know. yeah yeah the sort of you know, what's an atom what's a molecule um yeah. meaning wise design wise etc and and if it if it's if it's so tenuously constructed that a slightly longer headline is going to destroy a bunch of stuff 
Yeah. You, you compromise the headline, mm. which is what the which <laughs> is what the end you know the end recipient actually reads, consumes, reacts to. They don't they don't give a crap about your character limitations fundamentally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and and you know, and the uh, especially isn't the context. So, yeah, you don't see you don't see where this text is going in relation to the paragraph next to it, or whatever, or yeah. you know, all yeah. this kind of stuff. So, like, getting those people as close to the actual real thing as possible is yeah, yeah, has a huge benefit in the actual content. But it's really hard to measure that, other than like results and things. But like, you know, you can objectively say, well, look, this is obviously a better email because it was it makes more sense and you know, whatever, but like, it's, uh, email is sometimes a bit of a pain like that, because if you go straight to like, well, this converted better. Yeah. Like, sometimes that's, it's hard to argue that, but sometimes that doesn't show what's the absolute best email. What's the absolute best email. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was, it, it's, it's an analogous, but it is not the same technical space. And when I was around uh, web design, mm. um, realizing that it was, easier to say mock this up in photoshop which is what everybody yeah. did why mm. because html and it's much more mature in the web space than it is in the email space but html mm. is a pain in the butt it's not a design yeah. tool right it's it's yeah. like yeah it's, it's like it's like trying to make an architecture sketch with a power saw it just it's like <laughs> a hard way to get there right yeah exactly and you know i i kind of came from that space in doing web design early and yeah you know, in the 2000s and stuff and like um that process now is is a lot more kind yeah. of fluid like we talk a bit more about code uh, working directly in code or yeah. or uh kind of abstracting stuff and using prototyping tools and things like that but yeah. you know th that kind of that methodology of like design it in Photoshop first, lay it all out and then get that approved and then go into HTML. Like that still stands to this day for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. It's got, it's got quite a lot of flaws, but it, it is a way to get some stuff done. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and it's a way to, it is a way to, to, to be content first or content forward, at least in theory, right? Mm. It's like, yeah. wow, that looks great. It's compelling. It holds together. It's going to, move people or compel people mm. um now how do we make the technical stuff achieve mm. that vision so at least you've got a, you know at least you've got yeah. a concrete thing out there in front of you instead of start with the constraints of the tech first mm. and let that guide what you do where it falls down is is when you get the it's gonna say attitude but i think it's more kind of business business attitude rather than like a personal attitude but like um but it, that it has to look exactly as the photoshop file yeah like, yeah yeah because that's not it, reality either yeah you've got to you've got to take some you know and i've been in that situation a whole bunch of times especially when i worked i worked at, at esp for quite a while and like we were working with big the big kind of ad agencies you kind of ogilvy's and people like that mm -hmm. and like they would design design something and then come back and say hey this is three pixels out and it's like yeah but 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 <laughs> don't look in lotus notes because it's going to blow your mind yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah gotcha yeah. and 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 the, the you know the photoshop guy is working in a, a platonic ideal land right where they can yeah. control pixels and i'm sorry but there are seventeen thousand combinations ballpark of yeah. email clients it ain't gonna look exactly. same everybody but if your background or you know if you're also you're doing this ad campaign and you're doing an email and a billboard and a tv commercial or something yeah. Yeah. like the billboard's gonna look exactly the same for everyone Exactly. I mean, aside yeah. from the fact that people who put up billboards, like, I mean, I haven't commuted for two years, but I would always look at billboards and see them be wonky or something not aligned or That's something like that. That's a designer. That's a designer. Right. Or, or mm. the, you know, the thing, get, some mm. some uh, pigments fade faster than others. So if the billboard's yeah. up for any length of time, it's like, exactly. It it's like it, it ruins your life. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, I, I, I read. I read once that I, I think it was someone at Google got a call late at night from Steve Jobs. Really? Yeah, early early iPhone days, and what he was calling about was that the RGB code for the yellow in the Google icon was bugging him because it didn't look right. Like, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Nice. I just, I just love that. Hey, switch yeah. gears for a sec, Elliot, because mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we we've talked about taxi a bunch but now you've been on a you've been on a whole nother journey for the past six eight months yeah i mean as taxi becomes part of a a, a much bigger 
company with a heck of a global footprint. Uh, mm. Like, what's what's it been like? First off, going from you know entrepreneur SaaS land to the the you know the nirvana that everybody thinks they want in SaaS land of acquisition. <laughs> um, it, it's it's been fun. Like, um, so I. I don't know what I've signed to say I can't say anything. I don't sure. want to say anything salacious, but there isn't anything salacious really. But so like M&A, like mergers and acquisitions, like if you watch Silicon Valley or you read, you know, you're you're in the tech space or you go to meetups or whatever, it's always the kind of, yeah, oh, good, we're going to get acquired and whatever, right? And it, it's cool and it, it, like, but the reality, of course, is like that's, four or five months, whatever, longer time probably of like hard work. Like yeah. you're trying to run a business. Like the first thing your lawyers say is like, look, don't just, don't change anything. Keep on running your business as, as you normally would because yeah. the whole thing could collapse. You could walk away at any time. They could walk away, whatever. And we've yeah. been in situations like that before, like with different M&A and, and then things like that. So like, you know, it, it, to some extent, like, a bit, you know, being acquired at it, however long into the business six or seven years like that wasn't the first time we've had those conversations but like it's obviously the <laughs> the one that got all the way through sure. um but yeah like so the first thing is like you're trying to run your business and also you're trying to get everything together you know like you have to get all of the information you're kind of politely arguing about price and the valuation and all that kind of stuff obviously working with people and it's to some extent, the game you play, um, you know, you have all those conversations, you're kind of going back and forth with your lawyers, with their lawyers, all this kind of stuff. So like, it's a huge amount of just stuff to, to keep track of. And it's, it is kind of like, you know, six months out of your life, yeah. um, getting that done. Um, and then after acquisition, and, and also in within that, like, you quite purposefully don't tell the entire team, like, unfortunately yeah. you know like, yeah. have a great relationship with a lot of people on the team or everyone on the team um but like you you can't you can't tell the team when you're doing stuff you've got to be very careful about it you yeah. know whatever so like you've you're also doing all of this stuff within like two or three people and trying to run a business and try deal with all sorts of team stuff and help the team you know make sure they're not put off by anything and all this kind of stuff so that, that's all very complex um <clears throat> And then it's a bit after, like yeah. having a business. It's like having a fair in business. Yeah, yeah. Terms, totally. right? Not that I've yeah. done that, but <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, even just things like the way that I, I don't think there's a way to send a meeting invite that doesn't uh, come in as secret. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or or Good whatever. Point. Yeah. So yeah, as soon as a meeting invite would come in, we'd be like, okay, cool, let's go and mark that as just whatever um private stuff yeah. it's all silly things like that because anyone could come in and see our, our, our calendars and things um <clears throat> but um so so yeah doing that and then obviously there's a whole thing about you know you tell the team and, and you have to kind of work out that make sure that like you want to bring the whole team with you of course but sure. that's that's yeah. a lot for them to take in and to help everyone go through that kind of anxiety of where they're going to be and how it's going to be great for them and all this kind of stuff. Like that sounds like kind of BSing them, but like it is genuinely like, you know, this is a great opportunity for everyone on the team, but like, um, you know, that that's, that's a hard, hard job and, you, and you've got to work with a whole bunch of people to do it. And then also just after acquisition, there's a whole bunch of integration stuff, you know, just, the, the kind of fairly obvious things like setting up on a new HR system and moving all the financial stuff around and, yeah. you know, all that kind of thing. Um, but also helping people find their new roles and trying to work out like actually how does, so like taxi, you know, we, we did have one or two people working on sales and now we have a whole army of salespeople. So how do we get them up to speed? How do we train them? How do we make sure they're putting out the right message? How are they, yeah. they prospecting? Yeah. All this kind of stuff. So like working through all that stuff is, is, a great challenge but also you know a lot of work so like people don't realize that in the kind of acquisition process people think it's all like you know oh someone's going to rock up with a wheelbarrow full of money and you'll just walk off to the sunset like that's not quite how it happens yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it's actually a lot more work right yeah exactly <laughs> um so yeah 
Wow. Um, wow. My, 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 my sidebar thought that I think we're throwing out. It's like, so if you're an entrepreneur listening to this and you're <laughs> going to start into the acquisition thing, you probably want to tell the team that you've got a really, really bad disease and that it's <laughs> yes. a lot of doctor's appointments, right? Yeah, Why? Yeah. Because you're going to have mysterious calendar stuff and you're going to be unavailable and, and they're going to know what's going on sooner yeah. or later. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've, been, I've, I've been around in, in, my, in, my, in my time in, uh, in large corporations. I, I was around mm. the acquirer side of things and, mm. and watching the, just the shock factor, right? Yeah. Especially going from small company to becoming part of large or really large company. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah. what do you mean we can't do that or we have to log into that or we have to attend this or there's HR policies that are, you know, longer than the Bible. Like, mm. it, especially team members who may not have had corporate experience becoming part of a larger corporation yeah. is a big shift in job. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I, I totally appreciate it. It's not what people signed up for. Like, and yeah. it's a big ask and yeah. people go come with it and, and can see why it's going to be great and all this kind of stuff. But it it is like a, you didn't get to consult them beforehand and say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, Right, right, um, right. And, and in your particular case, <laughs> you had like a, you had a double whammy for taxi because yes. <laughs> UK company acquired by an American company, then in turn, Acquired by a company based in uh, is it Holland? In Amsterdam. Yeah. Amsterdam, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the, marrying those those cultures and business cultures, boom, boom. Yes, <laughs> it's it, it's definitely fun. Like, I think it's it's interesting because, um, so like we had obviously like London startup. That's a kind of European startup culture that mm -hmm. we. I, I wouldn't say we're all in on, like, I think we kind of were around it, but like, we're also a bootstrap company. So yeah. like, you don't get to spend all the time swanning around at VC parties or whatever. Um, so we kind of were around it, but not in it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so like our culture was kind of a, a little thrifty and a little scrappy and, and mm -hmm. just trying to work, work stuff out, but mm -hmm. also, um, yeah, was that kind of startup culture. And then I think actually like, it's kind of interesting because Spark, uh, Spark Post, the culture is is, is more mature. Like they, they've been around a longer time. They're in a uh, a massive business. Like this Spark Post powers is something oh, ridiculous. It's like a it's quarter like, of the world's email. Yeah, so it's, it's 40, unbelievable. percent or something. Yeah, yeah, like so. If you didn't know, like I think it's like 10, 10 of the top thirteen ESPs or something like that. Or uh, Spark Post has something to do with yeah. the email landing. You know. Yeah. Um, so like, um, so yeah, the the amount of stuff that that goes on that Sparkplace is involved in is 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 amazing to see. But like that culture is like this is a, a, a bit more of a grown up culture, and obviously like American versus UK and all this kind of stuff. Um, but then what's interesting is like Message Birds on top of that mm -hmm. is more European culture. Um, this kind of startup culture, I. Th think is a slightly younger company than Sparkpost. I'm not sure. I think so. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. But um, so it's interesting seeing that. Yeah. Like we've got these kind of three cultures mm -hmm. and it isn't the case where like everything just merges into the kind of one culture. Like you yeah. find your culture between all these groups, yeah. um, you know, and the, and the culture is always a moving thing, like in, in a company, like, you know, the, the taxi culture was different from day to day, even or you know, month to month, year to year. So like, um, there is no kind of, you know, oh, hey, cool. Here's how we're going to change how we think and we become this culture now. Like it, it kind of naturally evolves, I think, in, in the business. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting kind of shepherding that a, a bit and, and seeing where it goes. And, um, and that's the stuff that tends, the, the, the culture stuff. It's interesting that you gravitated towards that because I, I would have asked you about it. <laughs> that's frequently the stuff that tends to make or break the actual success. It's not plumbing technology processes finances alone it's mm. how do i feel like how do i relate uh, how do i do this job and and so much of that's unwritten yes absolutely and i and i think through the kind of m a process you've got to be very careful about that kind of stuff like not just how you how you position it for people but also just is it the right idea like we had conversations before yeah, yeah. With, with those people and you know from all the way from like people who 
you, you might think, okay, cool, yeah, it's obvious that they would have that conversation to people that you're like, oh, who the hell's that, you know? Um, and, and you get people fairly often say, hey, look, we own we we own all these other companies. Can we buy your company? And then you look at, and then I think we had a conversation with one of them. I was like, okay, fine, I'll entertain you. It'd been a bad day or whatever. And I was like, I'll have a call with you. And then and the guy said something like, oh yeah, that company, we actually kept the, the leadership team. I was like, okay, next. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> big signal to throw out, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you'd mentioned, I said, this is neutral ground for, for both of us. You'd mentioned um, Silver Pop, IBM Acoustic, right? That's a, mm. that's an, that's an org that went through mm. uh, some of the wrenching parts, I suspect, of, of yeah. acquisition. Yeah. And when private equity gets involved, it's almost always a whole different ballgame. I'm mm. curious about your, because this is not specific to MessageBird or SparkPost at all. I'm, I'm curious about your candid take on, on, let's say, London startup culture versus American startup culture. What do you, what do you see as the differences? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, so one is, is just the money, like, especially from getting VC funding, like there's so much more VC money. I mean, it's on the coast, right? But it's either New York or San Francisco or, yeah, or Silicon yeah. Valley. Um, but like, there's just so much more money. Um, it's, there's this, the, the way that the UK, like financially is set up, there's some, there's some benefit to being an angel investor. Um, in the UK, mm -hmm. because basically you can put in £150,000 into a, a fund, like an angel fund, and the startup would usually get, what, three or four million, I guess, mm -hmm. as, a, mm -hmm. as a Series A. Um, so you could be part of that. And and if you put your 150000 in, there's some allowance that you get from the government, which is basically if the whole thing falls down, you can reclaim that 150000 as tax credit. Oh, wow. wow. So basically you're, you're wow. putting some money in it might turn into something amazing. No real and, risk. And right? the, the base level base level is you can just take it off your tax bill. And um, obviously, that, has that been a success? Has that been overall a, a success? And is that relatively recent? Um, no, it, it's been around a while. But like, I mean, we didn't do any of that. But I think it does shape some of the kind of the startup investment in the UK. Yeah. Um, generally, the money though, as a result, is quite small. Like, so it's hard to get a lot of money. Yeah. Um, in the obviously I, I don't have too much experience of like silicon valley and all that kind of stuff but like you get the impression that you you just go to lunch with someone and say hey i've got an idea yeah you're know, gonna write you a five million dollar check or yeah, whatever. yeah ai for shoes oh great how's it gonna work i don't know can i have some money like <laughs> i'm sure it's more complicated than that but it feels more feasible that that would happen in silicon valley whereas in london someone would say get out of my restaurant like um yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah. massively over oversimplifying things but i think there is that kind of you know you hear all the stories of like all the the, the kind of groups of, of funds trying to out out compete each other or you know i've got an ai startup so therefore or that they've got one so I've, therefore i've got to have one and all that kind of stuff and, and that doesn't tend to happen as much in london um the other thing is london i mean not just in in startup finance or whatever but it you know, traditionally in business has quite often been the gateway to Europe for a yeah. lot of American companies. Yeah. Um, so in that way, the start startup culture is kind of in the middle between kind of pure European, I guess, um, and then like Berlin, Amsterdam, um, a, a big startup places. There's a few places in Italy and, and that sort of thing. Um, but like, um, yeah, by kind of being in between the US and 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 Europe, it, it's kind of got this hybrid culture plus a whole bunch of sort of UK stuff going on as well. Interesting. Um, the other thing is like the UK is like, or especially England is very London focused. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> I, I don't want to go into the root of politics, <laughs> but like you know, you have this in the US, right? Like. The, there is there there are the cities and there are rural areas and you have the kind of rust belt and all this kind of stuff right like there is there are similarities in the uk like the, there's yeah. a, this is like the concept idea of the north south divide um where like oversimplifying but like the north had been coal mines and steelworks is steelworks and, and heavy industry yeah. a lot of that business has gone away hasn't massively been replaced by stuff yeah um there are kind of pockets of things there are 
enterprise and there's there's some kind of pockets for startups but really if you want to start an international business is going to be in London. You're going to be, yeah, you're going to be in London. Have you read yeah. Richard Florida's uh, Rise of the Creative Class? Uh, no, it's on my list actually. That's um, it. Yeah. I, I, and he's got a, he's got a, he's got a follow up, and I think he's actually got some regrets now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I read a column by him recently that really surprised me. But uh, it, the, the, you know, the sort of thesis that you that that concentration. That, that actual physical in the same city kind of concentration that leads to relationships, connections, networking makes for these, you know, creative yeah. class um, hotspots, which has been, I think, quite shifted by the mm. pandemic, honestly. Yeah, there's definitely been a trend, you know, like when we were independent, we were very much like, Look, you can work from home if you've got a plumber coming around, but you've got not you've got a, a desk in our office and you're expected to be at it. Interesting. Um, yeah. Like, and now Sparkpost culture and and more so Messagebird. I think Sparkpost had been a lot more along those lines as well, but now is very much like you can you can be you know remote. And then now the the Messagebird policy is uh, work from anywhere. Right. As long as as long as you are in the same time zone or you show up in the same time zone. Right. You could be on the moon as long as you show up at the right time and you've got a decent internet connection and you can do your job, like get on with it. Yeah. 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 I mean from um, and from that perspective, not to get off the the fascinating startup track, but the 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 twist the pandemic put on a bunch of dynamics that were already there but just just hadn't crystallized. I mean I've been I, I moved out of a, what let's call it a secondary hotspot, Seattle. All it's becoming mm. a, a primary hotspot for startup mm. and stuff like that. Like we, we we left that 25 years ago mm. to a small town um, mm. for you know for our own reasons, family, kids, and stuff like that. Mm. And it was it was like a conscious uh, go down the ladder multiple notches uh, compromise because you didn't mm. get to work remotely very much then. Yeah, and now it's like. Oh, oh, look, that's actually, it works just fine. A lot of people have adapted to it. I think a lot of people go back to offices. Mm. But I do wonder if, back to your Rust Belt and London-centric thing, I, I do wonder if we'll, we will start seeing uh, more dis, more dispersion of, of innovation and even funding of innovation. Like, for example, um, Cleveland, Ohio, middle of the Rust mm. Belt. Yeah, yeah. Quite a hot spot. For, for startups and tech companies now, like they've managed to get some sort of critical mass, like their their own their own creative class sort of epicenter. But but all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can I can get a rocking startup going. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be in Silicon Valley. And or that's York, true. So, finally. But, but how, how remote is that, though? Like if that's just 20 people in an office just in a different state, like that's that's not as remote. Right. Like the the true remote is like everyone is anywhere yeah and you see yeah. you see everyone physically twice a year or something yeah well um, that i i suspect i suspect we'll see that that that's going to have mature that's going to mature mm. over quite a span of time and eventually it'll be like we'll we'll understand what the model of a of a of a really effective remote everybody from yeah. anywhere startup looks like right now it's happenstantial like these yeah. guys are good at it. These guys are bad at it. You can't really tell the difference because we haven't done it long enough. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's a few other things that are at play that are kind of skewing things a bit. So one is there's a massive employment shortage, like employee shortage. So like yeah, it, you, a lot of people are just forced into being remote to be able to get anyone to work you know, at a job. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and also the pandemic, of course. Um, but I think the, the pandemic... It, it, it's kind of hard to tell, but I, anecdotally, I've had quite a lot of conversations of, with people being like, oh, no, actually, I don't want to be in central London anymore. I don't need to be here. Like, I'm happy being a bit further out and I can go in if I want and all this kind of stuff. Um, now, that that's going 20, 30 miles away from London. It's not going to the other end of the country. But, like, um, there's, there's some of those conversations going on and you kind of see it a bit. People just want, you know, they want gardens. They don't want to live in an apartment and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is kind of interesting and it's massively skewed by my own experience but like i'm you know 30s i guess late 30s now i'm going to be 40 soon um and like i've done my 15 years showing up every day 
getting on the train, spending three hours on the train there and back and walking and whatever, right? But like, so like you do that when you're young and whatever, like, but also I had the benefit of working in person to person, you know, like, so I think it's, I think us having this conversation, we have to be aware of like, we've had the benefit of being in an office for 10, 15 years. So like, we know yeah, it's, it. it's, yeah. And also like, you have, you learn so much, you get so many skills from just being around people and, and talking to people while you're waiting for the coffee to, to, yep. Yep. to be made or to, you know, the kettle yeah. to boil or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, so it's easy for us to say, well, I've got kids now and I don't want to go into work. Like, of course, like, you know, the, the kids are in the house and whatever. I mean, they're not at school, but like, you know, like I love working at home now. Like, I don't know if I'd be in the position I am now if yeah. I hadn't have spent a lot of time in an office. Yeah, yeah, good observation. I, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd echo that back to you and say, like, and maybe this is, you know, an, an older perspective. It's like, we can work from home because we actually learned how to work. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of true, right? right. Um, and yeah. I do hear, I do hear, like I, you know, friends who run companies or you know manage organizations or whatever, like they do bitch about millennials, like <laughs> yeah, oh, but... you know, like I every yeah, I've got I can't do this yeah. and I have a conflict and I want to do that, and like no, <laughs> you need to do your job, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we definitely had that kind of conversation. Um, you know, a few years ago, even just around remote working, people were, we'd we'd interview people, and they'd be like, "Well, I need to work from home on Friday, so I've got a dog." And it's like, what? Like, cinema <laughs> <this>, problem? <laughs> did we not say that this job is five days a week? Like, fine, you can work four days and go and hang out with your dog if you want, and your salary will be four fifths of, of what right. we advertised. But like, yeah. you know, the, yeah, I, I I get it. You know, I I kind of see. I'm conflicted about this because like. I I've done I mean especially starting Action Rocket I I worked four or five hours a day on Action Rocket and then did my full-time job I was a um, e-dialogue at the time yeah. like, and I used to go in at like six in the morning go and do my client work till about nine mm-hmm. do my job there probably do a couple hours on, on in the evening as well like so like you know that was what 80 90 hours a week of, of work like so like I've done that for a long time and put in that work but like so like but i completely appreciate not wanting to you know wanting to have a a work-life balance that isn't that um so i get it the but also i i kind of begrudge a little the attitude of like you don't have to put the work in to get something (laughs) or you know like you you still got to do it i'm afraid like whatever which way you know like um yeah you you don't just you know if you want to be some overnight success fine just go and do something stupid on instagram but like or snapchat or whatever but like that's not sustainable and and you'll go like you'll have your 15 minutes and go like so yeah Yeah. you've got to work hard and do it unfortunately whichever way you want to you know whichever way you you slice and dice it i i i I am in complete agreement with what you said (laughs) and what you were also saying underneath that i mean the malcolm gladwell gave it a label a ten thousand hours thing but Mm. you know the beatles put in three years in munich living in a crap apartment and playing multiple gigs eight days a week right they Mm. they paid their they paid paid their dues they they did the work that made yeah. them a terrific band. They didn't just show up and go, "Ooh, magic happened." And and <laughs> that is what's irksome about Instagram and TikToks. Like the fifteen minutes of fame is is accidental. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not something, and it's not something that that you have ownership of either. It's completely culturally random. Yeah. So if you go out of go out of uh, style, and you were going to whine about it, like. You didn't build any real assets there. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I mean that's interesting as well. Like, because we kind of, I think in our generation, we've seen people. So, like, where have I got this from? Like, um, in in a different world previously, like I would, well, I was a DJ and worked like I <laughs> cool. used to. I did like four or five years. I probably did more more like as a, you know, what you would call a professional DJ. I mean, whether any DJ is, is professional is. It's quite a, <laughs> a yeah. complex 
issue but like um you know turn up play other people's music for four hours and go home like that's not really a professional thing but whatever um but like i i did that but like what was interesting is you'd see people turn up and do like live pas and things you know they'd had a song out whatever and people would legitimately be like well i've had one song out and people would expect them to have to pay for everything to have all the money in the world and then you see these people a little bit later you know a few, a few years later and they don't have anything like yeah. you know they've had a song and people know who they are but like they're not living in a mansion and retired or whatever like so but society's perception is like oh why is that guy working in the supermarket it's because like well, no one's listening to his music anymore but like he's still got a job still got to survive yeah like yeah. and i think people don't realize that that kind of yeah like you can have your success on instagram or tiktok or whatever like great fine but that's doesn't pay the bills. retirement money <laughs> yeah well, i mean it, it, that actually dots back to uh your, your observation about um london startup u.s startup um my read on u.s startup is that the the vc funds for to you know this week's unicorn those mm. make the headlines yeah but the zillion guys slaving away in their basement who like don't get a shot at or yeah. decide not to because yeah. you bootstrapped we bootstrapped yeah. like mm. i'm sure you had vc saying oh this is great we want to invest <laughs> you like i don't actually need a boss piss yeah. off right <laughs> I, uh, the, the other thing is we had a, a very good lawyer like excellent um yeah like, and our, our first sorry i'm derailing things but like some random bit of advice that someone gave us is like get a good lawyer and get them to do all your contracts like with with customers because when you come to do an acquisition you want you want them to be great at doing acquisitions like you could get a high street lawyer and they'd be great at doing your customer contracts but if they've agreed a whole bunch of stuff that then your acquisition lawyer is going to be like what the hell is this we can't sell it yeah. like so like we just went with a good lawyer so like yeah obviously lawyers are super expensive but yeah like um it's an investment, not an expense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, here, here, Elliot, I knew this would happen. I've tied up an entire <laughs> Sorry, hour yes. of your time, but this is actually this is one of my favorite conversations because <laughs> because we got I mean, there's email, but there's also all of the the company uh, mm. company and and building and learning part of the thing that yeah. uh, is equally part of the voyage. Yeah, and I find that stuff hard. It's good to talk about this actually because like. There is no advice. Like there, there is advice, but it's all kind of people who hadn't done it, or they're because people people who have the advice are too busy doing it. Like so, you get these kind of, you know, the best you get is someone's secondhand anecdotes or something. So yeah, it's good to just kind of talk a whole bunch of random stuff. Or like, you get, the, or you get the sort of the pablum, you know, like 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 if there were a formula for sex successful startup, mm. the guy who won the formula would be really really wealthy. But yes. the truth <laughs> is, it it. it Every one of them is a different arc and a different voyage. And I'm going to guess yeah. if you did this all over again, you'd have learned a ton of stuff, but it would still be hard work to do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. And you can't like, um, you've got to, <laughs> I'm, I'm like both taxi and action rocket were to solve a problem. Like, so we kind of, had a fair idea of product market fit or whatever or, or validation out of the gate like you've got to you've got to have an actual problem to solve and be able to do it and like so to that my point there is like it's cliche to say you know it's more the journey than the result but like if you go in saying hey i'm going to start up and do, make a startup and sell it it's not going to work like yeah. unless literally you're you're creating a vehicle to relieve a whole bunch of VCs of some money and then to make something that you can then sell to a whole bunch of other VCs. But yeah. that's not useful yeah. either. Yeah. And, and, and I always assume VCs are better at math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's a business theory. And no, that's yeah. uh that, that, that's, it's a, it's a good observation. Like, and, and your foothold with um, action rocket of, mm. of being at the coal face, seeing the problem, was yeah, probably yeah. invaluable. Like, like we're seeing this every day across multiple clients. What if, we, yeah, you know, what if we found a better way to solve it? Hmm, could that be a business, you know, of its own? Could we build a product to do that, which is, you know, technically complex and unpredictable and all of those 
all of those yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Well, mm. let me let me get you off the hook and thank yes. you for such an engaging conversation. Um, yeah, my, my guest has been Elliot Ross, uh, currently wearing the technology evangelist, I think, at SparkPost um, yeah. badge, <laughs> but I, I expect additional things. I do look forward to us meeting live at some point. I mean, Zoom is fine and fun, but, you know, having a beer and, 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 <laughs> and talking, as you were saying about the office, um, yeah. is, is a different experience. Yeah, I miss that. Like conferences and things are starting to come back, but to come it's back. that the event industry. I don't envy anyone in that space. Like, good on you for working in there because you've had a a, a fun challenge. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a it's a fun game at the best of times, but yeah, 